Hey, companions. Well, Act 3 has been a long one, huh? I hope your journey has been worth it so far. Hope you have enjoyed our little show. Today's episode is a special one, though. This has been in the works for the entirety of Act 3. A lot of the planning had to wait for a lot of Ziv's events to play out and see where we were going to land, but we got there. For the past six months, I have been hard at work trying to set this up. This may not be everyone's cup of tea as it is a scripted audio drama, but this was a passion project for me. I've been DMing this homebrew world for 17 years, and this episode, this event, this is what started it all. To finally have it published means so much to me, and I hope my players enjoy it as well. But I have a lot of people to thank for this episode. First off, this could not have been accomplished without the help of Diana from the Multiclass Theater Podcast. This story is written by me, but this script came to life with her. Her ability to turn my story into this detailed script has been astonishing. So many, many, many thanks to her. And on top of that, we have a full cast of about 20 people on this single episode. So big thanks to Aram of God's Fall, who is our narrator, Lucas of Ballad of the Seven Dice, who you all know as Ziv Reinhold, and then also we have Cassie from the Lovely Craftians, Jeremy from Midnight Kingdoms, Andrew and Taylor from Chasm Quest, Wade and Niffer from Not Quite Heroes, Diana, Matt, and Rachel from the Multiclass Theater Podcast, Seth from Cheaper by the Dungeon, Stephen from Forge Academy, Sarah from Sacrosanct, and Jason from Ballad of the Seven Dice. We also have a few others who aren't podcasters that I'm going to leave nameless for the surprise. Last thing I want to mention before we get started is that the Act 3 Roundtable episode is being recorded Monday, December 7th, as long as no complications come up in scheduling. COVID is still running rampant around here, so we may have to cancel last minute if something comes up. So go ahead and make sure you get your questions in either by email or on our Discord. Email to fourorbs at gmail.com or submit your questions in the appropriate Discord channel. But here it is, the episode that took me over 90 hours of work. I present to you The Equilibrium. A man walks to a door with stars painted on it. He takes hold of the knob and turns to a click, pushing the door open. The room beyond is dimly lit by an iridescent glow coming from the center. On the ground is a light blue circle that illuminates a soft glow to the room. It pushes out slightly from the ground, like a large flattened snow globe. Inside of this light blue energy are specks of white slowly fading in and out into the background. Three lounge chairs without legs levitate and slowly circle this flat bubble. A young man and woman sit in two of the chairs. Ramora walks to the third chair and sits in it. Hello, my two apprentices. How was your journey from Chandelin? Long. The boat ride was... difficult. We... we managed just fine. Managed? Is that what you call relentlessly vomiting off the side of the ship? (laughs) You two have not changed one bit. Tell me, Avery. How are you faring at Wigistry with my old class? Well, my first day, one of the more enterprising students thought it humorous to cast Magic Mouth on the blackboard. When I tried to write on it, it shrieked in pain. 
and you'd think students of divination would realize how futile it would be to try and divine the answers to an upcoming test. But my goodness, I have caught several cheating. Don't pretend we didn't try the same thing when we were students. Marin? <laughs> you think I didn't know? Remember that good luck charm we would cast? What do you think it actually did? Seriously? And now we know why the answers were always wrong. <laughs> yes, yes. You two will be excellent teachers. One day. But let's get on to business. I'm sure you are wondering why I've summoned you here all the way to Saravel. A prophecy discovered by the wizard's rainbow diviniers looms on the horizon. A prophecy known as the Veil of Darkness. Ramora waves his hand and the three chairs begin to move sideways, floating in a spiral pattern until they are above the bulbous disc. The two apprentices look down into the light. During the Age of Destruction, a cataclysmic event will swallow Ace's hull. The apprentices see a shadow cast across the city of Tempia. But unlike a normal shadow, the darkness runs deep. The void rushes across the countryside and swallows the city until nothing can be seen. The elements will flourish in this new environment. Flames erupt from Mount Westuvios in Loran, burning the islands into molten rock. The Carlin forest grows rampant, burying all of the western half of Lunalia under roots and vines. They see powerful rulers of nations governing for eternity with an iron fist, and dead soldiers rotting in abundant battlefields. But where does this threat come from? Is it hiding here in Asus? It comes from another plane. It comes from a plane of shadow and despair. The apprentices see a land of obsidian rock in acidic pools, a land whose sun shines a dim pale light as if it were a moon. The vision travels over a land of jagged stones until following the height of a sheer mountain. It comes from the realm of Grixolis, a realm filled with aberrations and monstrosities, beings that have existed for all of time, beings meant to devour the weak and the innocent. The vision ends and chairs float back to their original positions, following an outer spiral. And this is why we came all this way? Yes, Marin. The Archmages of the Wizard's Rainbow and I have developed a plan to cut off Asus from all of the other realms. A plan that will not only protect us from interplanar attacks, but bring about an equilibrium to the land that has been unseen since the time of the Forlorians. It is the year 1092 of the Third Age. A warm sun shines down on Saravale as spring begins and the winter frost melts away. A week before the ritual to power the four orbs, we see a familiar porch. Ziv and Heltrone sit on Heltrone's porch sipping from spotted tea as they enjoy the morning. Heltrone seems to be lost in thought. Ziv, much to his habits, breaks the tension of Heltrone's distant thoughts with his concerns. Heltrone... What do you think death is like? Heltron turns his head quickly to Ziv. I'm sorry. Ziv, what exactly is on your mind? Well, I never really considered death back in the Norfair Wood. And now my mind turns back to Earl. What happened to those elves? What will happen to my parents and everyone else in Asus? Maybe if I knew what death was like, maybe if I understood it better, maybe then I would feel more at ease with... You know. I don't think anyone in Asus truly knows what death is. 
The Wizard's Rainbow may know exactly where our souls go when we die, but what it is to die? No, not even them. I have heard tell of a peaceful realm named Dela. It is believed the good live out eternity there. Ziv shifts in his chair and sits in his hands, head down. I hope Earl is there. I hope he roams the roads, wherever he is, like he did with his wagon here in Asus. I could see his face, turned towards the sky, basking in the warmth of the sun. Hamarin walks outside onto the porch. She leans down and kisses Heltron on the top of his head and hands him a cup of spotted tea. She sits down with a cup of her own. Ah, oh, how I have missed this. The wind off the mountains, the glistening of mounting snow. Peace. How are the maidens? Are the injured healing well? Injured? What happened? Heldrone? You'll find out eventually. Very well. On the Great Western Bridge, the maidens of Mithron confronted Radanian forces hell-bent on taking Andrin. The fighting was fierce, but we could not hold. Scores of maidens were maimed and murdered by Radanian elites. They fought bravely. I've never seen such ferocity, such singular focus, but it wasn't enough. Radana was too strong. Maiden after maiden fell to their blades, the streets stained with the sacrifice. That's awful! I don't know if I could have gone on if you had fallen. Helltrone, light of life, you must go on. The future of Asus and all its people depend upon you. Whatever the price, it must be paid. What? No! Ziv, we have discussed this. No, I don't accept those terms. Why does everyone have to die? Why is that the price? Because it is. There's no other way. Death comes for us all in our time, in our turn. Ziv turns away and feels an anger rushing over him. Does he trust Heltron? Does he think this is the best option for Asus? This balance? These orbs? He fails to see the ends justifying the means. Frustrated, Ziv walks off the porch into the streets of Saravale. Ronnie leans against the railing looking out at Mithrin far below, from a balcony at the top of the city of Saravale. She wears an expression of worry and doubt. She is interrupted by Deloon looking equally as troubled. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, it's fine. Please. I don't believe we've been properly introduced. I am Narani. Warden of Lathansis, or Guardian of Spirit, or I don't know. Deloon of Ladreldon. I've never met an elf before. Few have. I should let you be. No, I'm sorry. It's... I have a lot to think on. <sighs> Tell me about it. Deloon leans against the railing next to Narani. Start again? It is an honor to meet you. That's better. What do you think of all of this? I do not see how we have a choice. But... It is too late. Should we fail, 
Asus falls. But the children, our children. I have none. I, I do. I'm truly sorry. That I should condemn them and my people to death. I, I don't know if I can do it. You can. You must. But why? Surely there's another way. There isn't. Just stop your whining. Stop? Why? Have you no heart? What about your people? My people will be fine. How? That is not your concern. Ancestors forgive me, but you're a merciless bitch. Are all dwarves this sentimental? I don't know. Are all elves this cruel? Only those who have tasted death. What? Never mind. I do not wish to quarrel with you. We will have to coexist for a very long time. If I could help, I would do so, but there is nothing I can do. Send word to your council. Warn them. I've heard tell dwarves are clever, resourceful people. Perhaps there is still time. Perhaps. I promise you, should this work, I will do everything in my power to help your people. They need only say my name, and I will listen. After will be too late. I, I have so much to do and no time. I have to go. This conversation is not over, Elf. Whatever. <clears throat> this is why I prefer to live as a bear. Raindrops splash against the stained glass windows of the Royal Archive. The library is empty, save a lone cloaked figure at one of the tables. This is Hanette, now the Guardian of Darkness. He sits quietly, studying a thick tome. Stacks of books form a small barricade around him. A door opens and the storms dance in the sky erupts in a sound of low-toned applause. Hanette's attention flashes towards the disturbance. The candlelight flickers in his golden eyes. As the thunder fades, the boastful braying of two men fills the silence. No, Archmage Drizden summoned me here, my dude. I was apprenticing at School of Rituals in Tempia. Is that your first ship after graduating from the WIG? No, I kicked around campus with Master Yanti for a couple years. Yanti, bro! I don't know how you survived. Better than being in Calandria like you. I hear the chicks have beards up there. It ain't easy. The weather, living underground for like months at a time. The beer though, the beer fucking rules, yo. Yeah, you'd need it with all those beards. <laughs> Hanette stirs in his seat. He grimaces as they continue their conversation. Eventually, he breaks. <sighs> it is a wonder either of you graduated. First evocation lesson should have spelled your end. Cease your incessant yammering at once. I am trying to focus. The mages go quiet and look at each other. Well, 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 what do we have here? Looks like a gold, Dunny. A gold? What's a crail like you doing here? Minding my own damn business. Now if you children could pause your puro prattle, I might be able to find what I need in this dump. The Royal Archive of Mithron? A dump? You show some respect. 
I will show them respect when they produce something worth respecting. Dude! Dude! The two mages are taken aback. All of Asus knows that Mithrin produces the highest grade arcane Iridarium pieces, but either the Golden Krails know something they don't, or this man refuses acknowledgement. Wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me you're here for, for what's his name? With the thing, uh, uh, Dunny, help me out here. He totally failed you. Ramora? Ramora! He gives me the heebie-jeebies. So you're here for his, uh, uh, ritual? Uh, not of my own accord. <laughs> Poor widow Quail can't go home. <laughs> An almighty Quail bending his knee to the mastery of the wizard's rainbow? If they are such masters, then why am I here? The young apprentices scoff, then actually question themselves. Fuck this. Get out of here, Krail. We don't need you. I'll tell them you couldn't hack it. Pressure was just too much for you, so you ran home to Mama. The two wizards high-five and began a mocking Mama. chant. Mama. 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 <laughs> Hanette looks up from his book. His hands rest on the table. A smile creeps across his face. <laughs> Suddenly, the three of them are in absolute darkness. Yo, hey, what? What the fuck? Not cool, man. The two wizards hear a whisper at their ears. Hanette's voice comes from behind them terrifyingly close. They can hear the cold, cruel pleasure in his words. Oh, what, what is the matter? Are you afraid of the dark? Afraid of the unknown? Of the boundless, formless, ferment of fear building within you? What is it you see in the darkness, I wonder? Shall I manifest it for you? Oh, that's it! You're fucking dead! <laughs> Am I? Thorn begins to gasp for air. He struggles to breathe as he claws at his own throat. Thorn! Thorn, please, where, what's happening? Where are you? Is this what you fear? The encroaching hand of death? The helplessness of inevitability? Shall I end it? Yes, please, end it! Stop! Stop! Hanette releases him. Thorn collapses to his knees. He gasps for air and holds the table for support. The darkness vanishes. Hanette has not moved. What the fuck, man? Thorn, are you okay? Hanette gathers his books. He is indifferent to the suffering of the young man. Hey, where are you going? To find some quiet. Seems the pressure was just too much for him. As Hanette exits the archive and the door shuts, Thorn is finally able to take a deep breath. He looks at Dunny and then the closed door, puzzled and confused. <sighs> what the fuck was that? The day after a heavy storm, the stone walls of the lower tier of Saravale glisten in the rising sun. The battlements are seeing unusual activity today. Soldiers are gathering bundles of arrows. Engineers are testing the functionality of dormant siege weapons. And Heltrone, a platoon commander of the army of Mithran, has gathered with Mithran's commanders and generals atop the last bastion, which is the first line of defense for the lower tier if the gates are broken. The commanders of Mithrin stand at the top of this inner keep, around a large, circular rosewood table. A map of the continent of Solaria is unraveled on the center of the table. Kristoff enters the scene and stands quietly to the side, looking to Heltron. After a minute, the conversation changes, and Heltron excuses himself. 
He walks quickly to Kristoff. Kristoff, what news? Sir, it's as we feared. The dogs are on the doorstep. Rodana has come at last. How far out? Four days. Latest reports put them on the road to Saravale. Soon, then. Too soon. The Wizard's Rainbow cannot delay their ritual. We do not have the forces to fight a battle on two fronts. Don't you think I know that? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kristoff. That was unfair of me. It's just... Have I ever told you the words of my father? No, sir. He said he knew he was safe when I became protector of Mithron. He said he trusted me. That he had faith. I would do what is right. Father, don't think you'll forgive me for this one. Heltron looks to the horizon. His face, which often shows no emotion, shows fear and sadness for the future of Mithron. We can delay them by deceiving them. But doing so, innocents may die. Just don't know if I can make that call. Adamo would say one cannot have day without night, victory without defeat. And there is a reason Adamo is not my general. Fair. Do you remember 50 years ago, when you stopped me from starting a civil war? Do you remember what you asked me? I think so, yes. Is this best for Andrin, or best for Gamor? Heltron turns to Kristoff, looking away from the horizon. And now I ask you, Heltron, is your plan best for Mithron, or best for Asus? A tear forms in the corner of Heltron's eye. A flaw to most, but a strength to him. He steals himself. <sighs> Send an envoy to Bellator. Summon their garrison here. Saravel must not fall, no matter the cost. And Kristoff, make certain that they know that Bellatul is undefended. It could give us the time we need. And the generals? They need only know that Rodana is headed here. Kristoff nods. He turns on his heel and climbs down to the ramparts. Eltron looks to the horizon again. He struggles to find his composure. He reaches into the neckline of his tabard, pulls out a silver locket, and holds it tightly in his fist. He looks back to the horizon. Father, I'm sorry. I have let you down. He then turns to the commanders and briefs them on Rodana's advance, that he has called for all the forces of Mithran to gather here in Saravale, leaving the port city of Bellatul defenseless. Stone grinds against stone as the arcane elevator acting as a vault door winds upward to the chamber of the arcane well. Kilnar Ravakrana, Ramora, Hanet, and Edamo walk out of the elevator together with two mages from the wizard's rainbow. The two mages lead the way, pushing a cart holding a large glass sphere made of a clear green emerald. It is five feet in diameter and is held securely by a decorative base made out of silver and gold and precious gems. The mages and the others escort the cart to the opposite end of this chamber. They unload this large arcane device opposite of the arcane well. My word, this is something, Kilnar. How long has it taken you to create this? Oh, almost 300 years now. It took quite a bit of planning. You see, it was the first test to see if we could pull energy from the gate to Urena through the arcane well. Well, I don't know about all that. I did know a tree in Dulwood who was... 500 years old. This is where I got the idea for how to power the orbs. But you're looking to pull 
a hundred times the energy that I pulled. Hmm. Hanet approaches the large emerald sphere and walks around it, looking it up and down. It stands ten feet tall on its framing. Curious. What have you called this? Well, I ran through several names. The idea is that we could use it to access uninhabitable places all over Aces. I worked with several of the Wizards Rainbow Schools, you know. But the School of Discovery was definitely the leading one. We settled on the name. Spelljammer. That is a terrible name. But accurate. Nothing will be able to penetrate it from the outside, no matter the conditions. Its sole purpose is to create a small zone of habitable space. Theoretically, at least. And the School of Discovery is looking to use it in the future for other projects, I assume. Well, yes. Many are curious about what is under our ocean surfaces, and this could get them there. Have they tried talking to dolphins? <laughs> you won't catch me going underwater. I've seen enough disaster at the surface. Anyway, what purpose will this serve in the ritual? Well, the wizard's rainbow mages will be inside a barrier with the orbs. We will be using our arcane abilities to pull from the well into our barrier. And my spelljammer will be another barrier surrounding me and Heltron's team in case something emerges from the arcane well. Now, who wants to try a test? Kilnar walks to one side of the spelljammer. He twists and turns a couple knobs and levers before pulling on a shelf that folds out into a platform with a ladder leading up to it. Not only will it create habitable conditions, but it will also tell us if anything draws near. You see, there's a link between Asus and Urena along a planar tunnel. The arcane well is an entrance to that tunnel. Fascinating. So you can monitor what is happening in that tunnel. Precisely. Objects, life, energy, fire, water, you name it. I will know what is coming if the Spelljammer has enough time to identify it. That is why Heltron has us outside. Yes, he chose all of you to ensure our ritual does not get interrupted. The ritual may take hours, so we need to be as prepared as we can for the unknown. And you are sure that we are enough? I trust Heltron, and Heltron trusts you. Adamo and Hanet look at each other, slightly worried. So, here's the thing. When we powered the Spelljammer, we did experience a few minor fatalities. It seems Eldritch Energy pulsates out from the Arcane Well, and it tore some of our mages apart. Hanet, I was told you're practiced in Eldritch magic? I am, yes. Excellent. Just perfect. Please go stand over there. No, a bit further back. Just a bit more. And Adamo, you. You come stand right over here. What do I do? Nothing. You're not qualified. Now, I'm going to activate the Spelljammer, and then you blast Adamo with that eldritch energy of yours. It would be my pleasure. Adamo rolls his shoulders several times and walks over to his position. Hit me with all you got. All right. Remember, you asked for this. Hanette readies himself. Kilnar puts his hands on the Spelljammer, and a faint glow resonates within the large emerald. But nothing else appears to happen. It's active. Let him have it. Adamo stands as if he is ready for something large and heavy to pummel him. Hanet swirls his hands in front of his chest. A white and gray energy begins to build between his palms. The eldritch energy stirs up a wind, making his robes flow backward as if he was in a strong storm. He throws his right shoulder forward and extends his right palm out in the direction of Adamo. The energy strikes an invisible barrier ten feet from Hanet and explodes with a flash of white light. Hanet falls backwards from the blast. He sits up and looks at the three of them, and then the Spelljammer. They share a laugh. Well, looks like it works. I would say so.
In the glade of the ash trees, a foundation of stones laid in a circle holds seven chairs. One is made of white stone, a second made of obsidian. Another is the carved trunk of a red oak, and another made of woven vines and roots. Then a chair made of sandstone, a chair made of driftwood, and a chair forged of steel decorated in gems. Almost synchronized and right on time, from several different entrances to the grove, an elven leader enters, each representing their own tribes and sects. They each take a seat in their respective thrones. The Court of Elves has now gathered in Silvertris, the capital city of Lathansis, to discuss a troubling report. As you all know, one of our wardens, my daughter, Narani, is lost, assumed dead. We have learned that she is very much alive, alive and in the hands of our enemies. She has been kidnapped. Kidnapped? How do you know this? I have received a missive. From? Narani. Curious. This missive? She holds the letter aloft for all to see. How did you... Yes, that is the one. Hmm. It says she was chosen by an order of the Wizard's Rainbow to assist in the defense of Aces. That she agreed to help them willingly? The only aspect of this missive that is against their wishes is its very existence. She was taken against her will. <sighs> what fresh drama is this, Rolian? Hatal Lenar grows tired of your petty trifles. I'm certain this trifle will more than interest the nobles of Hatal Lenar. I will reserve judgment on what is of interest to Hatal Lenar. Now, what has Chandelin done this time? Have they conjured another monstrosity? Worse. Very well. Let's hear it. Rolian stands from his chair and swipes the missive from Veya's hands. He unfurls the scroll and begins to read. While I believe its success is vital for the protection of Asis, I fear the event set forth by the Wizard's Rainbow will have dire consequences for Lethansis. The very lives and future of our people is at stake. Time is short. The life tree must be strengthened. I'll be damned. He found another way. You knew about this. Enio leans back in his chair, covering his mouth and chin with his hand. He looks uncomfortable. He looks concerned. No. Well, yes. See, years ago, Ramora, a young mage of the Wizard's Rainbow, traveled here seeking aid from our arcanists. He sought guidance in the construction of a magical device of protection. The unfortunate byproduct of said construction would, unfortunately, irrevocably uh, changed the world by stripping people of their uh, immortality. <gasps> the circle of elves gasp and mutter to each other. And you... It was all theoretical. We discussed the design of an orb made of pure iridarium. We experimented. It is what arcanists do. When we discovered the consequences of construction, we see study and sent him on his way. This is why I have long opposed allowing anyone within our borders. Is there anything we can do to prevent this? Yes, we can attack. Show them all the might of Lithansis. Humble these children. Give it a rest, Rolian. Do you still have this prototype orb? Yes, we have it in the Grand Hall. It is not stable. What is it you are thinking? If we could link this orb to the life tree, perhaps I could give it the stability it desires. We create a barrier separating Lathansis from Asis. It's possible. This 
This is what I've been saying for years. The question is, can it be done in just five days? For the first time in many years, a silence engulfs this circle of leaders. Ziv sits quietly in his chambers of Heltrin's home. A candle lights his desk as he slowly dips his quill into an inkwell over and over, lost in thought. Eventually, he puts ink to parchment. Dear Mom and Dad, I know I'm late on this letter. I said I would send one a month, and I missed the last two. Don't worry, everything is okay. I think. Well, I'll start off with some the exciting news. I saw a giant... Turns out, not a fairy tale after all. We went off to some weird mountain somewhere after going to Lathansis. Side note, Mom, you were right about the candy. It was really good. I'm sending along a bag with this letter. So, giants. Yeah, this one was huge. Like, big as one of the watchtowers in Gamor. It was blue, spoke a weird language, and it tried to kill me. The most powerful wizard in Asus, and a woman who's also a bear. We won. I broke my arm. Don't worry. I said it like you showed me, Dad. And then we closed a portal back to Grixolis, where that's where I'm from. I'll explain that part more in another letter. There's another piece of news. I kind of got a promotion, but I'm not sure how I feel about it. I've been appointed the Guardian of Law by Heltron. I don't really understand what that means, but I'm supposed to look after the world and keep law in check? They gave me this position after they gave me marching orders on committing mass murder. I know that sounds extreme, but I don't know how else to view it. Asus is about to come under attack. An enemy, unlike anything we've ever dealt with, is going to try to consume our world, but we can stop it. To do this, though, the price is our immortality. Time is now a factor in life. It's like everyone has an expiry date. That's why I'm writing to you before I go on this mission. You need to take the village to Lathansis. From some letters I snuck a peek at in Annette's office, they're mentioning that the island has a high amount of the element of life. Escape there, take as little as you can. I understand while you're reading this, it sounds ridiculous. This is unprecedented and I'm just a kid. How could I be involved in this? I think we all know that I was always meant for big things. And I guess this is it. I'm so lost. I wish you were here right now. I wish, I wish you could hold me, tell me what to do. Just give me guidance. The wizard's rainbow that we trusted wholeheartedly is betraying that trust with orders to kill so many Asians to keep the rest safe. If this is the right thing to do, then why does it feel so wrong? Heltron doesn't like the orders either. He told me we either join and mitigate the damage or just let the wizard's rainbow do all of this on their own terms. I feel like I should be stopping this, but I don't know if that's right. Vorin shares a similar sentiment with me doesn't like this either. Also, they made Vorin the guardian of evil. Can you believe it? Vorin's grumpy. 
but he's far from evil and not a bad person. This whole mess is making my head explode. How can the only way to save Asus be through a cataclysm? When I first went out into this world, I feel like my expectations were not set that high. Have a fun adventure. Meet more people. I never thought my adventure would show me the rot beneath the paint. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. I'm sorry that I could not shape these events to save more people. I have failed Asus. No. We the Guardians were given our first task, and that was to fail the people of Asus. If you encounter any Wizards Rainbow members, do not trust them. Please get out of the Norfair Woods and make it to safety. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll do my best for the innocents who are not given a choice. Love your loyal and foolish son, Ziv. Ziv puts the quill down and corks the inkwell. He picks up the parchment, blows on it, and places it back down on the desk to let it dry fully. He then walks over to his door, picks up a satchel, and wraps it over his shoulder. He exits the room and out the front door to walk the city. The house sits still for a moment. Everything settles. Then we hear some approaching footsteps, and Heltron peeks into the bedroom. He walks over to the desk and reads the parchment. Oh, Ziv. What is this? Guess I'll have to stop the next courier. Not that they would get out of Mithron safely anyway. The Drunken Dwarf, a humble and poignantly named tavern on the upper tiers, has been a favorite gathering place of students for 200 years. It is small, cramped, and garishly appointed, but the drinks are cheap and free-flowing. Jiminy has been coming here nightly. He likes the energy of the students, the raucous atmosphere, and the opportunity for mischief. The night is young. Things are just beginning to pick up. Three dwarves tumble out of a carriage and land at the tavern's entrance. They dust themselves off and weigh their options. Well, that was just uncalled for! Was it me? I tried to hold it in. Where are we anyway? Uh, here? Moist slaps swirly. That's enough out of you! Hey, look! The three dwarves notice the wooden sign above the tavern door. It depicts an inebriated dwarf toasting with a mug of ale in each hand. Y'all feel like a drink before we get down to business? What are we supposed to do here anyway? Lenny holds up a sealed scroll wrapped in a purple ribbon. I think it has something to do with this. We're gonna drink first. Not before me, sucker! Moist sprints for the door. The others follow him. All three arrive at the same time. A struggle follows as each one tries to be the first one in. Jiminy sits at a table near the entrance, throwing dice. Around him, a group of students cheer, then groan. <laughs> Sorry, boys. <laughs> oh, and uh, you, little lady, this just isn't your night. Sorry. The three dwarves burst through the door, knocking one another to the floor. And that's what you get. I'm upside down. Swirly is first to his feet. He sprints for the bar. There's an open bar stool. Swirly climbs on top of it and begins calling for the bartender. Hey, hey, my man, over here. As Swirly raises his hand to get the bartender's attention, Moy grabs the bar stool out from under Swirly, sending him crashing to the ground. Oh, my spleen. 
Across the bar, Jiminy excuses himself from the game. He's not one to pass up an opportunity for fun. Hello, boys. What's the good word? In town for some business? Some drink? Welcome to the Drunken Dwarf. You welcome those from near and far. How can Jiminy make your evening better? Nice swirly. He's even shorter than you are. Why, I oughta... Oh, you own this place? Sure. Then I will have a six of your finest ales. boy, six ales coming right up. The night progresses. Jiminy and the dwarves sit at Jiminy's table. Two dozen empty mugs crowd table and floor beneath it. The dwarves are very drunk. Jiminy is fine. He smiles and laughs, encouraging them to drink more. So how did you get it out exactly? Well, it was either we cut it off or break the barrel, but if we break the barrel, we lose all the ale. I still don't get it. Why you stuck it in there to begin with? <laughs> I dared him! He did. He dared him. I never say no to a dare. I have a reputation to uphold. The three dwarves and Jiminy continue their conversation. Unnoticed by the dwarves, but not Jiminy, two wizards enter the tavern. Unlike the other students, they seem angry. Yo, let it go. It's over, dude. I'll show that, Crail. Bro, look around you. Beer, babes, why are you still thinking about that freak? I'll kill him, man. Look at this. Thorn pulls a small magical device from his robe and shows it to Dunny. Fuck, man, where'd you get that? <laughs> magical defects room. Dude, do you even know what that does? I'm pretty sure it'll ruin his day. A giddy voice appears at Thorn's elbow. Jiminy smiles with that same mischievous glint in his eyes. Hello, boys. Say, uh, what, what's that you have there? Piss off, gnome. I am no gnome, and I demand you apologize for such an affront. Sorry, little man, it's been a- Fuck that. Leave us alone, gnome, or I'll punch you. Okay, my bad, my bad. Sorry to intrude on you fine, upstanding gentlemen. Y'all have a pleasant evening, okay? Jiminy returns to the dwarves, who seem to be latched onto one another's nose. Let, let me go! You burn! Never! Oh, what's wrong, pal? No, nothing. Just those two wizards over there. Seems they have a problem with little people. What? Those two fellas right over there? We'll set them straight. The three dwarves are extremely drunk. They stagger across the bar, intent on confronting the two wizards. Hey, wizards, you got a problem with us? What? Yeah! Yeah, you! You got a problem with us? Yeah, are we a problem? I mean, I mean, are you? What? What he said. What? Bro, I totally know you. Calandria? Dude, you're the dwarf who got his stick stuck in that barrel. Thorn, bro, this is the dwarf. The one with the bunghole? I totally told you. <laughs> you hear that, boy? I'm famous. Dude, you're an idiot. I can agree with that. Shut up, dwarf. Nobody asked you. What called in your bunghole? Thorn places a hand on Swirly's head and pushes him backwards. <laughs> Swirly stumbles into Moy, who falls backward into Lanny. Thorn and Dunny high-five. Bro, nice one! Jiminy helps Swirly to his feet and whispers in his ear. Are you going to take that? Hell no! Swirly sprints at Thorn, knocking him from his stool. Lanny summons a mage hand to slap Dunny in the face. Soon the fracas descends into an all-out brawl as other patrons begin fighting one another. Here comes the elbow Ow, my teeth. A short time later, Dunny and Thorn find themselves at the edge of the skirmish. Thorn pulls the magical device from his pocket. Bro, I've had enough. Dude, 
what the hell do you think you're doing? This. Thorn pushes a button on the side of the device and hurls it toward the center of the room. There is a flash of light and an explosion. Dust and smoke hangs heavy in the air. Slowly, it begins to clear. Nobody moves. A halfling emerges from the rubble. He surveys his handiwork. Oops. Lowering his head, he shoves his hands in his pockets and quickly scampers away. Deep within the heart of Ladreldon, there sits a triangular table. The table is 30 feet wide on all sides, and in the center sits a brazier burning as brightly as the Great Forge itself. It was constructed to celebrate the unification of the Dwarven clans, and has become the symbol of the Dwarven Council. Today is an emergency meeting. A letter has come from Mithrim. It has arrived on an ill wind. That's it. That's all it says. We have to do something. I... I don't think there's anything we can do, not given the time we have. Even then, what? Nothing. It's done. If the wizard's rainbow succeeds, we're doomed. Drolsh pushes back from the table. He's beside himself. I want to cry. What do we do? Nothing. There's nothing we can do. We are dead. We are all dead. Get a hold of yourself, Drolsh. Let him mourn. I don't see how that's helpful. A soft sob escapes Drolsh. They are heartbreaking in their earnestness. What would you rather him do? Flip the table? Curse? Would that help more? You know what I mean. Drolsh removes a ring from his pocket and places it on the table. It is a silver band with etched roots. A brilliant sapphire sparkles in the firelight. I have been working on this ring for 300 years. It is so close to being finished, so close to perfection. And now? It is a magnificent ring. It is flawed, as we all will be. Enough! Nordrin Carveheart herself would lack the patience for this. That's it, Nordrin Carveheart. By the elders, you're right. What are you two on about? The pillars. The pill. of course. How could I be so dumb? Do we have enough time? I think so. And Asus? Fuck Asus. They did this to themselves. The people of Asus did not have a choice. We can help them. She's right, Torvik. We will be lucky to save ourselves. Right. Now that that's settled... Send word to the Nordronic Order. We need portals to Fintarin, Rutan Gorge, Crestview, Ringwood, and Port Gralion. The rest of the Order assembles at the central pillar. On it. She leaps to her feet and all but sprints out of the room. Torvik and Drawl stand as well. I... We'll go talk to the Magistrate. Try to head off any panic. Good idea. We only get one shot at this. It had better work. I know. Torvik leaves. Drolsh picks up his ring and examines it, turning it over in his fingers. Perhaps I'll have a chance to finish you yet.
On a garden terrace far above the sprawling land of Mithran, Exodolu and Edomo sip tea and occasionally converse. A meteor flashes across the sky above them. Oh, did you make a wish? Why would I do that? Many cultures believe that wishing upon a falling star will grant your heart's desire. That's... that's moronic. Is it, though? Why should I beg some external force to give me what I can rightly take through the exertion of my own will? The two sit in silence, sip their tea, and listen to the night. What would you take? What? Through your force of will, what would you take? Power. And then what? What are you on about, druid? Afraid for your precious trees? No. The trees will be fine. Will they? A glint comes into Ixdolu's eye. He raises a hand and fire swirls in his palm. There is no metal I cannot melt, no stone I cannot crumble. A snap of my fingers is all it would take. The forests of Televestral are but kindling to me. Everything will be destroyed. A light breeze kicks up along the terrace in the direction of Ixdolu. Destroy that. What? The wind. The wind is an intangible thing. It is a force. Is it? You feel it, no? It sways the trees. Powers the mills. It is a sail's only friend. (laughs) You're mad. To put a finer point on it, a fire spreads across the forest. Many trees and animals will die. Their sacrifice will feed Asus, and in time, a new forest will rise from the ashes. Destruction begets creation. Creation enables destruction. But what does this have to do with the wind? Oh, oh, nothing. I just thought you were being an asshole. Have you always been this irritating? Probably. We've known one another a long time. I'll say. I remember when you still had a face. The two once again collapse into silence. The chirping of cicadas fills the night. Think this will work? Think we can actually bring balance to the world? Edomo smiles warmly at Ixdolu. If you and I can be friends, anything is possible. In the lower tier of Saravale, a tavern in a dark corner of the city sits quietly. There are only a few patrons inside, and each of them sits alone. The winter lingers at night, bringing back the season as the sun sets. The tavern escapes the winter chill with the warmth of a hearth as the fire crackles and pops. The door to the tavern opens. Ziv walks in. On the side of the room, Vorin sits at a table with a bottle of dark liquor, already half empty. Ziv walks over slowly, pulls a chair back from the table, and sits. He wordlessly places a satchel on the table. Vorin is hunched over a tin cup. He eventually, slowly, lifts his head. Took you long enough. Sorry, I had some writing to finish. And finding this place was difficult. (laughs) Well, it's a good place for us. We shadow elves, as they like to call us. Do they hate us? A lot of people hate me. But do they? Does Asus? Vorin leans back in his chair. He closes his eyes and cracks his neck to one side and then the other. Most likely, those who do not know us hate us. Are you still mad at me? Very much so. I'm sorry. 
No, really. I'm just trying to do what I'm told. And that is the problem. What? It is past time we considered ourselves. Our future. Our future? When we receive these powers to rule the land and balance these elements, we could ascend together as law and order. You mean law and evil? Order is evil. Evil is order, Ziv. The weak see obedience as evil. They fear losing their precious free will. Yet in times of strife, what do they call out for? Who do they look to? My liege, save me from the horde, the famine, the pestilence. Is protecting people evil? Is looking out for their best interest evil? Mm. That was a rhetorical question, Ziv. Evil is another word for order. Mm. Without being asked, the bartender brings another bottle to the table. Warren pours some of it into a cup and slides it to Ziv. Drink. I really only drink ale. Occasionally wine. Drink. Ziv drinks. The slicker isn't just dark, but black. Ziv gags, but keeps it down. They say this comes from the depths of Asus. From deep in the mines of Calendria. Tastes like it, too. <laughs> I believe you're struggling to come to terms with this ritual. Are you okay with it? Okay with Asians dying? Uh, they aren't being murdered. Perhaps poisoned. Poisoned with an expiration date. And what if Heltron replaces you? Making you mortal? Would you be okay with having an expiration date? That will not happen. Ziv backs off, feeling Vorin's anger in the air. <sighs> I had a dream about a week ago. Vorin rolls his eyes. Tell me more. I'm riveted. Vorin, it was terrifying. Stairvale was under attack by monsters. I, I tried to kill one, and the next thing I know, the monster was Heltron. Enough. Why do you trouble me with your imagination? I am not your father, nor your brother. We are not kin, and I cannot protect you. It is time for you to grow up. The two sit in silence. Vorin sips from his cup while Ziv spins his in his hands. I'm sorry, Ziv. Perhaps I should not have spoken so bluntly. But you need to find the answers to these questions yourself. Vorin, why did they choose you to be the guardian of evil? Vorn looks up from his cup, but doesn't lift his chin. When Heltron and I first met, it was in a small town on the northern coast of Rodana. In fact, it was in a tavern very much like this one. Rodana is not welcoming to outsiders, and even less accepting to outsiders with our blood. Some of the locals confronted me, desiring a row. So I stabbed each of them in the gut, quick and easy, and then I returned to my drink. They wailed and they bled out on the floor, but but I believe my indifference shocked Heltron's moral sensibilities. And you didn't care that you killed them? I have never regretted killing. Not once. Ziv shifts uncomfortably. I haven't killed many, but I regret each and every one. We exist on opposite ends of that spectrum. I imagine that is why you are law and I am order. The two talk into the wee hours. Ziv questions. Vorn answers with the same refrain, look within. Despite his annoyance and impatience, Vorn indulges the youth, and Ziv's attachment grows even stronger. Dawn breaks across Saravale, 
It is a gorgeous, welcoming dawn, the type of dawn which inspires painter and poet alike. Heltron stands in his kitchen. Well, the kitchen he has occupied since coming to Saravale. Sausages brown in a skillet before him. He watches them with an intensity normally reserved for the battlefield. Oh, what is that wonderful smell? Well, it was supposed to be breakfast in bed, and a surprise. It is. I didn't know you could cook. I'll have you know, my gumbo is... Well, my men seem to like it. Hamarin crosses the room and kisses him on the cheek. <laughs> You'll have to make it for me sometime. Heltrone pulls away from her, ostensibly to tend to breakfast. There's tea and fresh juice on the table. All right. Here we go. Eggs from a blue hen. Sausage, sautéed potatoes, with just a sprig of rosemary. It certainly looks good. Thank you. Oh, it is. Go ahead. Uh, give it a try. You're not going to have any. Sure. Of course. Heldron, what's wrong? Nothing. I just thought... I just wanted... It's all right, love. I... Sit. Please. Slow down. Reluctantly, he does. She reaches across the table and takes Heltron's hand. He reaches back across and takes her other hand. The two sit in silence until Heltron can no longer bear it. He is the one to break. I am afraid. Heli, I understand. No, you do not. I'm sorry. That came out harsher than intended. I... I'm afraid, Marin. Heltron afraid? If Kristoff could see me now. You believe he would think less of you? Fear is what makes us human, love. It's only natural to fear death, to fear the unknown. That's what you think this is about? Dying? Isn't it? No, I'm afraid of losing you. And I'm to have no say in this. I am not a possession to be lost. That's not what I'm... This is wrong. It wasn't supposed to go like this. A heavy silence fills the air. Hamarin stands. She draws close to her love and pulls him into an embrace. Do you remember when we first met? The gnomes? <laughs> they chased us into those caves. Two cadets separated and alone in the darkness, afraid to call out to one another for fear of being found. You were so brave. I was terrified. Knowing you were out there gave me strength and, eventually, the courage to reach out. She whistles a simple but beautiful melody. When I first heard that, my heart filled with joy. He whistles the same melody. Then let that be with you today. As we step into the unknown, know that I love you with all my heart. And I you. You are the shining light in my life. Without you is... Without you is only darkness. And we will stand together and light the way for one another. I was going to wait to not worry you further, but I think now is as good a time as any. A Marin? Heldron. I'm... I'm pregnant. What? I... That's... That's wonderful. It is, dear heart. We fight now for our future and the future of Asus. Our child brings hope. Embrace that hope. Push back the fear and should fate prove fickle, should we fall, we will meet again in the fields of Taylor. Listen for our melody whispered on the wind and you will always find me. The two of them embrace. Each tries to be strong for the other, tries to hide their tears. But the future is uncertain, and the fate of Asus hangs in the balance.
It is mostly quiet. The appointed guardians wait patiently in the Temple of Life. It is warm and comfortable. Ferns and flowers flourish in this holy hall. All are present, save Heltrone. The temple is simple. An altar stands before rows of pews. An empty font stands before the altar, inside of which rest the four nascent orbs. The nine guardians sit scattered amongst the pews. The only two sitting close to another are Adamo and Extolu. Well, this should be interesting. What exactly? Being the only immortals in Asus. I've questioned that this whole time. How does that balance life? I've been wondering that myself. And what of the gods? You don't seriously believe those old stories. I do. Someone had to create all of this. Or, this is a cosmic accident. Chaos and randomness collided, giving rise to entropy and destruction. Oh, this again? The wonder of creation tells me that this is all intentional. We may not know them by name. We may not know if they are still out there, but creation was obviously a conscious act. You really know how to rile my blood, Adamo. I know, but admit it. You'll miss me when this is over. The doors to the temple open. Heltrone, Ramora, Kristoff, and a venerated mage from the Wizard's Rainbow, Magistress Veldore, enter. Heltrone joins the rest of the Guardians. Ramora and Kristoff remain in the rear of the temple. They will be witnesses to history. The Magistress approaches the altar. My name is Magistress Veldore. I am the Grand Master of the Wizard's Rainbow. I have traveled here from Chandelin for this ritual. It is the culmination of my life's work. As I call your name, you will approach the altar. Vildore opens a small pouch on her waist and begins to remove the items with which she will conduct the ritual of immortality. She removes so many items that it seems impossible for them all to have fit inside her small pouch. Heltrone, guardian of light, approach. Heltrone approaches the altar. He stops below her on its steps. Vildore places a clear crystal rod upon his forehead. She nods at him. Heltrone of Mithron, henceforth you shall be known as the Guardian of Life. Do you accept this boon freely, without reservation, forsaking all else for the sanctity and safety of Asus? I, Heltrone of Mithron, vow to defend life in all its forms. I pledge my sword to strike down those who would pervert and diminish life itself. I take this vow freely, beneath the watchful eyes of my fellow guardians. Blessed be the light of life. Each guardian rises in turn to take their own oath. As they finish, they remain standing, slowly forming a circle around the nascent orbs. I, Hamaron of Mithran. Extolu of Athern. Adamo of Televestra. Dalun of Ladraldon. Narani of Lathansis. Jiminy of the Fey Islands. Ziv of Andrin. Hanet of Andrin. Vorin of Grixolis. I vow that growth shall overcome pestilence and famine. That I live in ruin which binds us all. That we are but shadows lurking in the darkness. That I will preserve and prosper to maintain the purity and health of Asus and its people. That each person gets one journey and one chance may luck be in their favor. That the people 
will be put above all else. That as it must be, order will prevail above all else. That death will come swiftly. That there will be life after death. And I take this vow freely beneath the watchful eyes of my fellow guardians. With those words, the circle is complete. The newly sworn guardians extend their arms, holding their hands above the nascent orbs. Behind them, the dory begins to chant. The chanting builds. A magical resonance fills the room. It rises. The pressure inside the circle also builds. It is nearly unbearable. There's a flash of light. The guardians shudder as a wave of force passes through them. For one brief moment, they see their past, their present, and a fleeting glimpse of their future. Then, just as quickly, it is gone. Only the flickering torchlight remains. The ritual is complete. You are now the sworn protectors of Asus. You will remain safe from mortal danger for all eternity. The future is in your hands. The time has finally arrived. In but a few short hours, Asus and its inhabitants will find themselves in a new age. The chamber of the arcane well stands ready. Inside, the air is stagnant and warm. The creak of the spiral elevator echoes throughout the empty chamber. From the hallway, Remora enters the room followed by eight mages of the wizard's rainbow, four of whom bear the nascent orbs. An hour passes as Remora and his mages prepare for the ritual. The guardians linger about the periphery, watching in nervous anticipation. Norani stands near the ritual area. She carries a look of fierce determination, as if she is overseeing the efforts. Deloon saunters over to her with a spring in her step and a cocky grin across her face. Hello, Norani. Deloon. It would seem that the dwarves of Ladraldon have vanished. Norani turns to Deloon in shock. Vanished? How? You said we were clever, and you were right. My message must have reached them, and they did something clever. Impressive. I am not certain the Arcanists of Fatal Lenar could have done better. I am less optimistic about my people. I have not heard from Lathansis. I do not know if they heeded my warning. It is in the hands of the elders now. I'm, I'm sorry for the other night. I overreacted. Oh, don't be. I was an ass. We will have time over the next eternity to get to know one another. I am certain I will continue to be a bitch. And you will continue to make mistakes. How I reacted wasn't a mistake. I was in shock and full of grief. <laughs> you see, we are already on our way. The frustration each is feeling with each other gives way to a smile and finally a shared giggle. <laughs> Gilnar, we're ready over here. Are you ready? A few more calibrations and... Ready! Kilnar activates the spelljammer. The entire chamber begins to tremble. The guardians try to steady themselves. It is as if Asus itself is trembling in anticipation. And just as suddenly as it began, the trembling stops. The mages of the wizard's rainbow circle Remora and the orbs. They chant quietly while moving their arms, wrists, and hands in a unified pattern. A white haze begins to form around them, and then solidifies into an opaque dome. 
a protection spell now surrounds them. On one end of the chamber is the arcane well, Ramora, and the orbs within the Dome of Protection. On the other, humming loudly, is Kilnar's Spelljammer. In between the two, the Guardians stand ready. For what? They cannot imagine. Ramora activates the arcane well. A rainbow of color explodes from the well, showering the orbs with light. It's working! The orbs are growing in power. We must sustain this for another hour or so. An hour? What? I can't do this for an hour! Quiet, you fool! An hour passes. Little has changed within the chamber. Ramora and his mages continue the ritual. Across the room, Kilnar leans back in a chair near the spelljammer, watching it absentmindedly. He smokes a pipe. Meanwhile, the guardians stand restless and tense, uncertain if all is well. Hey, Hanet. Ziv. You seem to be well-versed in this kind of stuff. They started, right? Yes. Do you not feel it? Feel what? The presence of Yarina. The realm on the other side of the well? Yes. You are able to cast spells, right? Yeah, but what? Cast something small and simple. Something harmless. Zip looks perplexed. He shrugs and flicks his hand open, throwing a shower of sparks into the air. It is a simple spell, something to amuse children. He has cast it countless times before, but this time, this time is different. The sparks explode into a chaotic storm of fireworks all around him and the other guardians. Zip, enough! I'm sorry, Heltron. <laughs> you see, your spell was empowered by the energy from the well. Wow, that's amazing. The chamber begins to tremble again. Kilnar, what's happening? Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Kilnar rushes to the spelljammer. Uh, Heltron, something is... This can't be right. Something is coming through that well. What? What is coming through the well? I don't know. The spelljammer is... I'll let you know when it knows. Darkness spills forth from the arcane well. It is thick, almost liquid. It rises from the floor, enveloping Ramora's dome. Kilnar, we can't see Ramora. Working on it. Kilnar frantically twists and turns knobs. He pulls levers, seemingly at random. The darkness pulses, spreading wave-like across the chamber. The guardians retreat. Some draw their weapons. Others look at each other with confusion. The darkness covers them all. Kilnar! And... That should do it. Kilnar pushes a button on the spelljammer. A wave of green light erupts across the chamber. Everyone can see once more, though all is bathed in a sickening green. The room is quiet and still. Ramora and his mages continue the ritual. The guardians are uneasy. Eltron grips his sword so tightly his knuckles turn white. There is a crack, like a bolt of thunder, as a small stream of black energy pours out of the arcane well. It arcs upward, then crashes down onto the floor. It bends and morphs into a tiefling-like humanoid shape. Long, bent-back horns protrude from its head. It flexes fingers, arms, and legs as if using this body for the first time. It sneers at the assembled guardians, then smiles. Well, what have we here? Why, it's a new world ripe for the taking.
The Shadow Tiefling thrusts his hands forward. A stream of dark energy erupts from the arcane well. Shadow beings manifest themselves all over the chamber. The Guardians are forced into battle with the unknown. Foreign! Is this Greg Solace? No, I don't think so. But look over there. Vorin points behind the Shadow Tiefling and a dark ball of energy emerges. Heltrone, another gate is opening. Where from? Tracing. Kilnar. It's Grixolus. They're coming. From this new gate to Grixolus, a mind flayer with an elegant approach floats out from the gate. He looks around at the mess of the battle scene. His eyes meet the gaze of the Shadow Tiefling and they nod to one another and from the gate of Grixolus, a group of a lithid charge into the chamber. The Mind Flayer floats over to the Tiefling. And who might you be? I am Vel. This world belongs to me. Let me assist. I oasis a cataclysm. And what do I call you? I am Endodel. And with that, the Mind Flayer pulls a wand from his sleeve and blasts a ray of dark, necrotic energy around the room, targeting the Guardian. I don't think I like the people of our world. I told you there wasn't much to like about them. The battle rages on. The Elithid and Shadow Beings mount a relentless attack, but the newly wrought guardians are undaunted. Spell and sword fly through the once sacrosanct chamber. A giddy laugh breaks through the tumult. Extolu watches as Jiminy's shadow steps about the room, stabbing foes before disappearing, then reappearing elsewhere. Here I am! <laughs> no, over here! Oh, so close! <laughs> I think you're enjoying yourself a little too much there, Jiminy. <laughs> well, if this is the end, I'm going out doing what I love. Another shadow falls to his blade. Exdolu unleashes a massive fireball. That at least we can agree. Jiminy lands looking very satisfied with himself. An eldritch bolt catches him from behind, and then another, knocking him to the ground. A mind flayer steps forward from the fray. Tentacles thrash wildly as it seeks to feed. Jiminy! Deloon's shout demands Norani's attention. Deloon, to me! Norani shifts into bear form. As she rumbles past, Deloon clambers onto her back. <laughs> the two race across the room to Jiminy. With a roar, Norani crashes into the Mind Flayer, sending him sprawling. Deloon leaps from Norani's back and places her healing hands onto Jiminy. Oh, thanks! No worries. Behind them, the Mind Flayer squeals in pain and horror as Narani eviscerates him. Let's just ignore that. Agreed. As Deloon tends to Jiminy's wounds, they watch two shadows face off against Hanek. His gold eyes shine beneath his dark hood. You wish to play with me? I should warn you. I am not afraid of the dark. Hanek vanishes as a dark fog rises up around him. The two shadows swing wildly, hoping for the best. The fog suddenly appears behind them as Haneth begins to materialize. Give my regards to oblivion! The shadows lift from the ground. They claw at their throats, gasping for breath. Haneth cackles with mad glee. Jiminy and Deloon glance at one another in awe and disbelief. That dude is weird. Shadow beings continue to flood through the portal. Adamo and Exdolu try to deal with them the best that they can. Adamo sends vines to snare and entangle the invaders. The vines raise the shadows towards the ceiling, where Xdolu lets loose with fireball after fireball. Hey, why are you fighting? What? Aren't you a guardian of chaos? No, destruction. Another fireball explodes. 
Even so, they seem pretty intent on destruction. That's not how it works. I decide what is destroyed. It sounds more like you're a guardian of narcissism. We will talk about this later. The two old friends continue fighting as the forces from Grixolas pour into the chamber, with seemingly no end in sight. The battle rages on. The newly sanctified guardians hold their ground. Behind the front line, Hamarin commands the field. She calls out commands to her fellow guardians. Beside her, Ziv and Vorin hurl spells into the teeming horde. Heltron stands in front of her, shielding his love from spell and bolt alike. Ademo, wall of thorns across our flank. Exdalil, light it up. This reminds me of our first battle against Rodana. We lost that battle. You couldn't remember a more successful fight. There's so many of them! Indeed, this is getting out of hand. I, for one, will not die here. What are you saying? Just then, a curious thing happens. Andodel steps from the fray. Neither Norani nor Hanet notice, as they are the closest to him. He steps behind the lines. Vorin, however, does notice. He turns to confront Andodel, but his spell dies on his fingers. He is frozen. Andodel examines him like a predator examining his prey. Vorin, what's wrong? Vorin turns back towards Ziv. His expression is one of amusement. He smiles wickedly. Verum talk. Thick iron chains burst forth from the stone floor. They wrap tightly around the individual guardians, pulling them to the ground. They can neither talk nor move. Only Heltron, Hamarin, Hanet, and Ziv avoid their fate, along with Exdolu, whose whole focus is being in the air and hurling fireballs at the open portal. What are you doing? Vorin! Tears stream down the young man's face. I don't understand. Remember, Ziv. Look within. Always. Hamarin shoves Ziv out of the way. You've always been a monster, Vorin. She raises her sword to strike the wizard down. But before she can swing, Vorin interrupts her with a stunning spell. Her eyes lose focus. She tries to step forward, but her body fails her. She drops to her knees and then to the ground. Her sword clatters harmlessly beside her. Homerin! Heltron rushes to her side. She breathes. How touching. Vorin, come. Vorin crosses to the Illithid and stands before him as a dog before his master. And now for your reward. Andadel produces a small stoppered flask, inside of which a purple worm-like creature squirms against the glass. Andadel strokes Vorin's cheek and tilts his head gently to the side. It is almost loving. He pulls the stopper and pours the worm onto Vorn's cheek. Vorn gazes placidly at Andadel, and the worm crawls across his face before burrowing into his ear. Andadel grabs Vorn by the collar, yanking him forward and sending him spinning into the portal to Grixolis. Ziv breaks free from Vorin's chains and rushes into the fray. 
Shadows cut him off as he charges at Andodel. He takes his elven court blade and fights with all his might. He was my friend! Ziv, wait! Heltron and Hanette struggle to break free as Ziv continues to rage against the shadow. Andadel, content with his work, retreats back to the safety of the shadow tiefling's side. Ziv cuts down another shadow in front of him. Hanette and Heltron finally make it to his side. Hanette grabs him by the shirt front. Ugh. Have you lost your mind? Extolu's fire is the only thing preventing them from stepping through that portal, and you are running straight for it. But Vorin, we have to save him. He's gone, Ziv. No, 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 he can't be. Ziv drops to his knees, he's broken. So how many will die? For what? We can't stop this. Eltron, we are running out of time. Leave him. You stay out of this. Ziv, Vorin gave his life for something he believed in for the good of all of Asus. You're wrong. He didn't believe in any of this. Ziv, please. He told me to look within. I look inside and what I see is the truth of his words. Not evil, but order. What are you talking about? We are in this together for Asus. <laughs> together? None of us had a say in this. It is your plan your desire for control. This is madness. No, Hanette, this is clarity. I finally see the truth of your twisted words, Heltron, but it is not too late. I can still stop the ritual. I won't let you do this, Ziv. We have worked too hard, sacrificed too much. Ziv stands and raises his sword against Heltron. Heltron mirrors his stance. Ziv, please, I implore you, don't. Ziv charges forward, attacking Heltron with a relentless fury. Andadel watches from Velmir's side. He smiles, filled with curiosity and amusement, as the Shadar Kai boy turns on his companions. Should we continue the assault? Let's see how this plays out. Ziv's court blade crashes down on Heltron, who nimbly deflects it aside. What is your plan, Ziv? Is killing me really what you want? Vorin would not have died if it wasn't for you. My parents would not have died. Those elves and Lathansis, you're to blame for everything. You are blinded by grief, Ziv. I am your friend. We do this to save Asus. You do this for you. Swords clash. The crash of steel on steel echoes across the chamber. Hanet's attention is torn between the fight and making certain the invaders hold their line. Don't make me do this, Ziv. If you don't, I will. Parry after parry, blow after blow, the two fight with a fury that no other guardian could endure. But Ziv is young, reckless. It is only a matter of time until he makes a mistake. Heltron bashes Ziv with his shield, forcing him to stumble backwards. He advances with a leaping spinning attack. and catches Ziv across the chest. Heltron spins once more, sweeping the boy's legs out from under him. Ziv finds himself on his back, staring upwards at Heltron's blade. Guild! do not want to do this. You will not win. With a puff of black smoke, Ziv vanishes, then reappears behind Heltron. Ziv thrusts, intent on landing the killing blow. A blast of fire strikes him in the side, knocking him to the ground. Exdolu growls at him, then continues his assault on the portals. <coughs> I, I see what the score is. All against one. Vorin is my only true friend. If you won't save him, I will. 
Ziv rushes across the chamber. At first, the shadows attack him as he dodges and deflects, but then they stop to let him pass. He rushes towards the portal of Grixolus. He is not thinking of his parents or of Asus. He is only thinking of Vorin. He must save Vorin. Ziv sprints past the shadow tiefling and then Andodel. He dives headfirst through the portal. That was unexpected. Mora's opaque protective dome explodes outward in a flash of arcane energy. The illithid and shadows are thrown backward, crashing into walls and one another. The flash fades, revealing Ramora holding the four orbs. The ritual is complete. Eltrone, make way. What? Who are who are these guys? Never mind. Kill Nar. The teleportation circle. Get it ready. The eight mages of the wizard's rainbow fan out across the room, blasting shadows and illithid alike. They clear a path to the fallen guardians. Vorin's final spell fades. The guardians struggle to their feet as the wizards escort them to the circle. That snake. What's the play? For you, escape. No, 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 Heltro. You fight, I fight, as always. Not this time. This isn't fair. I'm not some delicate flower, Heltro. If this is to be the end, I will meet it by your side. If it were us alone, I would stand with you. But there is another to think of now, our daughter. How can you possibly know it's a daughter? Wishful thinking. Now go, please. I need to know that you are safe. Fine. I love you. Please come back. And I you, with all my heart. Heltrone, Exdolu, and Hanet hold the line, as Ramora, the Guardians, and the Mages escape via the teleportation circle. Heltrone, we can't leave yet. We must close the well. If we do not, the darkness will continue to spread. What do we do? Hanet looks to his friend of many years. Hmm. A sad smile rises slightly beneath his darkened hood. No, I can do it. I can close the gate. You'll die. It is possible. No, I can't. Hanet, please. Eltron, you will be an excellent father. Wh what? Exdolu, clear me a path. Exdolu nods and rises from the ground. He summons all the arcane energy he can muster and unleashes a blast of unimaginable power. It crackles with lightning. It erupts in flame. It topples the invaders with hurricane force winds. Hanet vanishes into a puff of dark mist. Across the chamber, he reappears next to the arcane well. Now, go. Goodbye, old friend. Heltrone nods. Everyone has made it out. Only Heltrone and Kilnar remain. Heltrone gestures to the spelljammer. We have to leave it. Hanet needs more time. Heltrone looks for Hanet one last time. The shadow beings are starting to rise. More and more manifest from the well. Hanet smiles to Heltrone, touches the arcane well, and vanishes. The chamber begins to quake. Heltrone and Kilnarp stand in the circle and vanish. The spelljammer shudders violently, unable to keep back the might of Velm. The Emerald Sphere shatters. Outside, the mountain-facing wall of the chamber explodes outward over Saravale. 
The fragments of the Spelljammer are thrown, scattered across the sky, falling to Asus across the land of Mithra. Exhausted and out of breath, Ramora, the mages, and the guardians sprawl on the floor just outside of the teleportation circle. They are safe. Kristoff and the Crimson Command have been waiting for them. Hey, where are we? In the city of Gamor, with the Crimson Command. Kristoff looks to his cadets. Bring water and potions. Members of the Crimson Command began aiding the wounded. Where is Heltron? He was right behind us. Several minutes pass. Trepidation hangs over the room until at long last, Heltron and Kilnar step from the circle. They both collapse to the ground. Where is Hanet, Heltron? And Vorin? And Ziv? <sighs> they... They didn't make it. The room is silent. Defeated. Heltron stares upward, unblinking. What have I done? The assembled guardians fill the ritual chamber atop the newly completed keep of the Crimson Command. The mood is somber. The guardians sit quietly around the room. Narani sits next to Delune. Her head rests upon Delune's shoulder. Jiminy stands by Hamarin. His normally bright demeanor is dimmed. Hamarin stands with arms crossed defiantly in front of her. Unlike the others, her expression is one of fierce determination. In front of all of them stands Magistress Veldore, flanked by Heltrone and Ramora. The four orbs sit on a plinth before her. Their power radiates throughout the room. Heltrone steps forward. It is with heavy hearts we come here today. Our moment of triumph has been tarnished by death, betrayal, and sacrifice. The names of the fallen, Annette and Vorin, shall forever be remembered on the lips of bards and in the hearts of men. His mood darkens but I curse the name of Ziv Reinhold. Never again shall anyone speak that name. He has forsaken Asus and her people. Henceforth, he shall bear the name Vorin, Guardian of Evil, a title he all too willingly embraced. But that is not why we are here today. We assemble to name a new Guardian of Law. Arise, Kristoff. Kristoff approaches the altar and stands before it. He extends his hand outward. It hovers over the orbs. Veldore administers the oath, much as before. Kristoff answers. I, Kristoff of Andrin, founder of the Crimson Command, assume this duty with pride. I resolve that crimes against Asus and her people will be met with my fury, for the law is absolute. The ritual ends as it did before, with the same magical resonance and the same burst of divine energy. Kristoff, now the guardian of law, stands among his equals. Kristoff beams. There is some light applause, mostly from Jiminy. The weight of the day still hangs heavy over them all. Friends, I know this day has been trying. Little has gone to plan. My heart beats heavy, as does yours. I mourn the people of Asus, and yet they live. I mourn Hanet, and yet honor his sacrifice. I rage at the injustice of betrayal, yet hope for the future. Brothers and sisters, 
We stand upon the threshold of a new age. Asis survives. She will heal and prosper. We, her guardians, are bound to her. We will defend her when she needs it. The days of imbalance are our history. Let all people of Asis live their lives freely and with joy. From the plains of Chandelin to the forests of Televastral, from the peaks of Calandria to the waters of the Fey Islands. It is upon this day that we all shall bring light to this dark world. We all shall give strength to the weak and life to the dying. For this is the time that we elevate what is good for Asus above all else, that we shall protect this land from destroying itself and stop those that wish to do it harm. With you, my fellow guardians, I have the strength to complete my duty. For this new age shall give birth to the blessing it so deserves. I will enforce the law of this land. Two men on horseback ride at pace through the hills of Andron. They race. They relax. It is the playful way of two old friends. Ahead of them, a wall of darkness reaches to the sky as far as anyone can see. They have reached the border of Mithrin. Well, I guess this could have turned out better. I definitely didn't expect to see this. <sighs> now that I see it, I... What's done is done. Asus is on the path now. Your guardians are needed now more than ever. Heltron leans forward against the neck of his horse. He pets the mighty steed. I think Kanet might still be in there. I think he's the one holding this back. What happened? You never told me. I'm not entirely sure. We were overwhelmed, and I'll be damned if that crazy Krell didn't say he could stop it by sealing the arcane well. He went inside of it or something. I'm not really sure. Ramor or Kilnar could probably tell you more. Do you know what it is? Kilnar says it's the Void essence of the space between planes. Apparently they call it Velm. It leaked into our own plane. And there's nothing we can do about it? Not without Annette. Could we teleport back to retrieve him? We think the teleportation circle was destroyed. Something must have happened after we left. Besides, we don't know if he is even alive. I don't know. He was tough. Probably tougher than all of us combined. <sighs> My coin is on Homer and in that fight. She's been pretty distant with me lately. Something happened there? She's, uh, she's pregnant. Oh. The two sit in silence as the sun begins to set behind this elevated horizon of darkness. You know, I believe he is in there doing his duty. There may come a day when we discover some way to explore this darkness and learn his fate. I should like to be there to see that. And say hi to an old friend. <laughs> 